Hi, my name is Lizzie Neff, and I'm the registrar here at His Hill. I want to welcome you to our first podcast. It is our hope and prayer that through listening to our interviews and messages that you, our alumni, would be reminded and encouraged to fix your eyes on Jesus, the author and perfecter of faith. We also invite and welcome non-alumni as we pray that you too be encouraged in Christ. So let's join our host, Kelly Doherty, as he sits down with our director, Charlie McCall, to discuss how the Lord has shown himself to Charlie and also what the Lord is doing at his hill. Remember to stay with us after the interview as we have some announcements. Well, hello, this is Kelly Doherty. Are starting off the alumni ministry with our very first podcast. You've been hearing about this in our newsletter and also on Instagram. Finally, we're getting it up and going. Uh, we will, with a podcast, we're wanting to do two things with it. One, we want to uh, have devotions, and then we also want to conduct interviews. We will be interviewing staff and students, alumni. And, and other people that we think would be uh, beneficial for uh, encouraging our alumni. We, uh, we want to do the interviews with staff for the purpose of introducing, because you know, so many of our staff now are, are, are younger staff, and we want the older alumni to get to meet them, understand you know, who they are, what they do, and, and just get an idea of what kind of person they are. So for our first interview, well, we brought in... Charlie McCall. So we went, uh, we went uh, big, quick, and uh, we went with a guy that's been here since the very beginning. Charlie's a good friend of mine, and I appreciate him, uh, you know, really facilitating this, allowing us to to do this, allowing me to come back and take part with the, the ministry here. And uh, so, anyway, let's let's jump into this. Charlie, how you doing? I'm good, Kelly. Yeah. Well, I uh, I want to thank you. Uh, for allowing me to come back, allowing me to do this, and I'm really excited to hear what you have to say. Although we've been friends for years, and I know a lot of your story, I find that in these interviews, I'm learning more about people, and and uh, and so I'm I'm interested to hear what you have to say about the ministry here at His Hill. To start off with, uh, for the very few of our alumni who don't know you, because you actually were a student in the first year of Bible school, and that was in 1975. That's right. And then uh, you you kept coming back for the summers, but once you started seminary, you uh, you weren't around that much anymore. And I guess that was about what three or four years. Yeah, four years or so. Okay, so it would be those four years where our alumni wouldn't know that much about you. I remember seeing you first time I saw you. Uh, I was a student in 1984, and I had heard about the McCalls, and I walked out of the Rock House. And you were sitting on the bench with a bunch of the kids that you, the inner city kids that you worked with in Dallas. And I remember seeing you for some reason. I knew that you were a McCall. And I remember just saying hi. And you said hi back. And that was the extent of it. Didn't see you again until uh, 92, I think it was. Anyway, that's enough of me. Let's, uh, let, let's hear from you. Uh, you've been the director here since when? What, what year did you start? I came back on staff in 1987, January of 87, and two years later um, became the director. Okay, all right. 
and you were so you were student in '75. You came back in '87, but uh, you before coming here as a Bible school student. I mean, you grew up in Texas. Yep. Yeah. Corpus Christi. Okay. Down on the coast. And uh, and not a small family either. Yeah, six kids, five boys, one girl. Okay. And uh, you were, uh, did did you grow up in a Christian home? Yeah. um, My parents were um, um, initially Colombian drug lords. (laughs) 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 I'm kidding. (laughs) No, they were not drug lords. yeah, they, my parents knew the Lord, they would say, but they didn't um, have a, a, a walk with Him. It was like a lot of people at that time. They had grown up grow, growing to church, had heard the gospel, had received Christ as, as kids, but it was just a ticket to heaven. They, they had no idea of what a relationship with Christ meant. And they had to get married very early in life. My mom was just 15. My dad was um, 18, um, 19, I guess. Um, and she was already pregnant. Um, she was a freshman in high school, um, and my older brother was born while she was still fifteen. Okay. Yeah. And and but they where where were they living at that time? That was Harlingen, down in deep South Texas. Okay. Yeah. But eventually moved to Corpus, and and yeah. I guess the rest of you and your siblings were born there. I was born in Houston. Um, the other um, four were all born in Corpus Christi. Okay. Yeah. So what happened in your family to where, you know, things started to change? Uh, they became maybe a, a little bit more serious about their faith. Yeah, you know, it was, it was a combination of things that usually is with, with folks. Um, a lot of pressure, a lot of stress with my um, family because of my mom and dad being so young um, and starting off wrong as they had. And there were financial difficulties, and um, my older brother um, was rebelling. And so there was a lot of stress in the home, and God was, was using that to, to draw their hearts to himself. We were in a, in a church that really, I, I believe the pastor knew the Lord, but he, he didn't know how to really share Christ with people. He was a good man, but he just didn't really know how to share Christ with people. But on an Easter Sunday, I, um, you know, we were going to church um, regularly, uh, praying before meals, but that was the extent of my parents' um, faith. And, but on Easter Sunday when I was 10, um, the pastor talked about Christ loving us um, as displayed in his suffering. And, uh, and I knew that he had died for us. I knew that he had risen from the dead. I knew I was a sinner. But I had never made the connection that he really loved me. And I needed to hear that. I, I, I was um, an insecure, um, shy, and introverted kid, and with all the stress in the family, um, I, I was just at a not a good place. And, and I had heard my parents. They didn't know I'd heard them, but twice I'd heard them talking about getting a divorce. And that really shook me. And so I was beginning to question whether they loved me and whether anybody did. Mm-hmm. And so that night, after that Easter Sunday message, after I'd gone to bed, I, I remember just telling Jesus, I don't remember ever talking to him before, but I said, Jesus, I, I want you to love me. And I heard him in my heart say, I do love you and I will love you. And, um, and I really, from that moment on, knew that I belonged to him. And I tried the best I could the next day to tell my friends uh, about it in school and didn't know how to tell them, but I just knew I'm a, I, am, I am a child of God. 
and Jesus is in me, and I belong to him. I just didn't know how to say any of that. And so my birthday was coming up, and my, my parents asked what I wanted for my birthday, and I said I wanted a Bible, because I was just hungry to, to read the Word and, and to know the Lord. And, and that shook my parents, because um, they, 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 what kid wants a Bible right. for his birthday? And so God used that to cause my dad to see there was more to being a, a provider than putting food on the table, mm. and that he really needed to step up spiritually. Um, and so that's what began his, his seeking after the Lord. At the, about the same time, there was um, a movement that was sweeping through the Presbyterian and Methodist churches called the Lay Witness Renewal Movement, and it was just believers that were going into churches, and from Friday night, all day Saturday, and on Sunday morning, they would just share their testimonies. And a real revival was taking place in a lot of those churches, and, and, and that and that happened in the church we were attending, and, and that was a real catalyst as well for my parents to realize that um, they needed to, to, to know the Lord personally. Mm. And so they surrendered their lives to the Lord. I don't know how else to put it. It wasn't a dedication or anything like that, but they just began to just wake up spiritually. And then within the two years of me coming to faith in Christ, I think it was, um, all of my siblings came to faith in Christ. Wow. And so we were a new, new home. My parents started having Bible studies in the house all the time. We had youth groups meeting there. We had adult groups, single groups. Just The house was just packed with people almost every night of the week. Um, and it, it was just a different, completely different environment wow. than what I'd grown up in. Wow. You know, it's, it's interesting. Twice, uh, you, uh, what, with what you were just saying, you talked about basically, you know, when, when you came to know Christ, you didn't really know the, the right terminology. No. And then the same kind of idea with your parents. Right. I was think, actually thinking about that this morning, uh, not specific, specifically your story, but just thinking about repentance. And, uh, you know, we, there is, I, I'd be interested in hearing what you think about this. Uh, there's, there's a lot within Christendom emphasis put on terminology. Mm-hmm. And... You know, the, to, to you know, when did you pray to receive Christ? Uh, right. Or when did you when did you uh, tr- uh, uh, give Jesus your heart? You know, there's just a, right. and it's not that any of these things are wrong, but I think sometimes terminology takes over truth. Yeah, exactly. And you know, and and I've come to realize that. You know, repentance is not what saves you. Mm. Um, you know, there's nothing in the Bible that, that would indicate that, that I see. It, it, and, and you can be repentant and not have placed your faith in Christ. Mm. I think that's what Paul ran into when he found those Ephesians who had been baptized in the baptism of John. Mm. And, and, and he told them that John's baptism was a baptism of repentance, but they didn't know the Lord. They had not received the Spirit of Christ. And, and so I think that that you know, f- real faith in Christ means that you're not trusting in yourself any longer. That's you yeah. are trusting in Christ, and that is a a, a repentance, for, right? But it's the focus is not on what I do; it's not even on my faith. It's in Christ, and 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 a saving faith is not. It's only a saving faith because we're trusting Jesus, and Jesus saves us. It's not the faith that saves us, and and I as a ten year old child, I I recognize that I needed Jesus. And 
And, and that's really all it was. I just, mm. I, I received Christ. And in that, I received eternal life because eternal life is Christ. And that's, it really was not complicated. It wasn't about the vocabulary or the language or anything, but, but I came to know Christ personally because I trusted in him. And in that moment, I received Christ, yeah. the person, and he is eternal life. And so I, I've really never struggled with, with assurance of my salvation mm. um, by God's grace. It's, it's just I've, I've just known mm. um, because God's Word says, and, and, and the Lord made that very real to me, that, that it is a personal trusting in Him, and, and He is more than able and more than adequate to save us as we trust in Him. Yeah, that's amen. I I appreciate appreciate this the, uh, the the clarity with that, and, and that's that's what I was coming to. You know, the, the word repentance basically means changing your mind. Right. And I I feel like sometimes we lose focus of just what this is. We're changing our mind on. It, it's right. not changing our mind from being bad to being good, or from not going to hell now going to heaven, but we're changing our mind on being de- not being dependent upon me, right, and dependent upon Christ. That's right. And it, it, it's you know, and really, I guess that's what Paul was concerned about that we'd be led astray from the simplicity and purity of Christ. Correct. Yeah, because all all of us are living from a source. We're mm. getting life somewhere. Right. And a, and a person without Christ, that source is ultimately himself. And when Adam sinned, at that moment, man began living from himself. Mm. And God had always intended that Christ be the source of our life. And so the repentance is just recognizing I, this source is not working. I am not finding life in myself. I can't, there is no life in myself. That's why even the rich young ruler said, how can I obtain eternal life? He recognized he didn't have life. And, and so... Faith is, is simply saying there's got to be a source outside of me, and that source is Jesus. Jesus, I'm trusting you to be the source that I need for life, mm. and he is that life. Yeah. Yeah, thanks. I, I appreciate the clarity with that. So now you, you, your family, there's been, there's been a spiritual awakening within the family. You're still in Corpus. There's six kids. Um, what, what was it like growing up in Corpus? <laughs> it's hot, <laughs> hot and humid. Yeah, I tell you, I mean, you know, we everybody at that time lived very modest lifestyles. Middle class would have been considered poverty today. Um, you know, we very tiny little house, um, no air conditioning. There was one window unit air conditioner in the kitchen dining room, um, and so yeah, we were just hot all the time. But that was life. We didn't know any better. Yeah. Um, and my mom, you know, she was just great. She. Um, she would not, well, she's not, not going to raise five sissies. And so she, you know, with us boys, so she would just throw us out of the house and lock the door and say, <laughs> um, <laughs> find something to do. And we'd bang on the doors and the windows saying we're thirsty. And she'd say, drink out of the water hose. Um, <laughs> and so it was good. That was just, it was a leave it to beaver days. You, yeah, could, you could do right. that. You could throw your kids out of the house and know they're going to be fine. Um, they could ride bike to the other yeah, side could, of town. Yeah, no I tell you, yeah. we just, we just, you know, we rode all over Corpus Christi, and and all of all the kids were doing the same. Right. You know, it was it was a wonderful way of growing up. But for me, it was really life was wonderful until um, junior high, 
And I, I tell the story, you know, that's when, you know, in elementary school, I knew I was, I was one of the smallest kids in school. But I was always told I was cute. <laughs> and, then, and then I get into junior high, and I'm one of the smallest kids in the school. And it's not cute anymore. Yeah, right, yeah. <laughs> but God used that. And, you know, everybody, junior high is hard. Um, and, uh, but God used that to, to, again, just show me that he truly is the only one that can live this life. And I, I didn't get that while in junior high, but I, um, God was bringing me to that. And I was, I was just at, a, at again, a very fragile place. Um, I was angry. I was bitter. I, I, I wanted to see the people that, that abused me die. Um, I can remember my mom coming into the bedroom one night when I was eighth or ninth grade, I don't recall. And, and she knelt down beside my bed and she said, I'm not leaving here until you pray for all the boys that you hate. Mm. And I said, well, you're going to be here a long time because that's a lot of boys. And so she said, well, then pick out the one that you hate the most and pray for him. Well, I knew who that was. There was one boy I hated way above all the others. And she said, pray for him. So I did. I said, God, kill him. <laughs> that was your prayer. That was my prayer. <laughs> and um, I was quite sincere. I thought it was a good prayer. <laughs> But my mom didn't, you know, she wasn't going to have that. And so she, you know, you need to pray for him the way that you want, the way that God wants. And so I knew what she meant. Um, and I, I just said, God, save him. Mm. I don't think I said even in Jesus' name, amen. Um, and, I, and one part of me, for sure, I wanted to see the boy saved, but I had almost no faith that God would do that. And... It wasn't very long. A couple of weeks later, some kid walked up to me in school and said, "You hear what happened to so and so?" And I said, "No." And I and he must have been reading my mind because I'm thinking, "Piano fell out of the sky, <laughs> um, train hit him," and he said, "No." Um, he said he's become a Jesus freak. Wow. And I I was I, I flabbergasted. I I I it, I didn't know the kid was savable. <laughs> <laughs> and here God has saved him, and and it's like the Lord said to me. I haven't forgotten you, mm. and I still love you. Wow. And so my heart began to, to open up toward the Lord again. But then when I got into high school and I was just looking to, to blend in, I didn't want to stand out. I didn't want to get noticed. I just wanted to be unnoticed and, and not abused for another three years. And so I decided that the best way to blend in was to have a girlfriend. I don't know how I came to that conclusion, but that was, you know, 15-year-olds don't think anyway. And... Um, <laughs> And so that was my thought process. And, and so I started developing friends with a girl. She was a Christian girl, shorter than me, and 16, so she had a driver's license and was cute. And so I thought, this, and she seemed to like me, so I thought, this is a miracle. Um, it must be of God. And then her best friend told me one day that um, she thought I was disgusting and that she wanted to vomit when I was around. Wow. So that was um, not a good day. And, and so um, I don't remember anything else that happened, but that night I couldn't sleep. I left the house, and I just went for a long walk and um, ended up in a parking lot of a shopping center and, um, and just crying out to the Lord. And I, and I said to him, Lord, I, I, I can't live this life. And I said, Jesus, either take me out of this life, kill me, or, or start living this life because mm -hmm. I can't live it. And I'd never heard of Torchbearers, of Ian Thomas, The Exchange Life, none of that. 
um, I just knew I cannot live this life. Wow. And, um, and I can't explain what happened, but the burden was gone. And I went home and slept like a baby. And everything changed. Um, I didn't hit a growth spurt or anything like that. Um, still short, but the burden was gone. Wow. And, and I began to, to know the peace and rest of God, that he had to live this life, and he wants to live this life, and only he can. And um, it, it was, um, you know, that girl had no idea how fragile I was, but, but God did. I didn't even know how fragile I was, but God knew. And he allowed that to happen, and it was for my good, so that I would um, just really um, come to know him in a way that I hadn't. And, and I'm very thankful for it at 15, you know, to, you know, how many people at 15, you know, come to that place where they right. understand that only Jesus can live this life. And yeah, so, I, I sure do. Yeah, I, yeah. That, you know, it's amazing, you know, to, to hear a testimony like that. And, and scripture comes to my mind right away where Jesus says, all who are weak and heavy laden come to me. Yeah, exactly. And I will give you rest. That's right. And that's what happened. And he's, you know, he's, he's telling us the truth. Yep. And if you know, and, and we also know that the eyes of the Lord search to and fro throughout right. the earth, that He might strongly support those whose hearts are completely His, right. and He means that. Yep. And that's 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 incredible testimony. So, you got through high school, and uh, now you're the the second of the six. Right. Yeah. Steve being the the oldest, and uh, so then you ended up coming to His Hill. How did that all take place? Yeah, Steve had gone to the Army. Vietnam was wrapping up, and um, he was. they put out in the newspapers in those days what numbers were going to be drafted. Everybody had a draft number, and they'd published in the paper that, that his number was coming up. And so he went ahead and enlisted, and um, he wanted to have a, some say, if, if any, over where he ended up, and he didn't want to end up in Vietnam. And long story short, he ended up in Germany, um, working at a as a military police officer in a in a army base that's there, but he didn't escape much, mm. and he certainly didn't escape the Lord. Um, and he had been rebelling against the Lord all through high school. He w- I shared a room with him, and so I had some idea of how bad things were, and they were really really bad. And then when he went to um, Germany, um, you know, he just threw everything off. You know, there was no no morality really left with mm. him. Um, there, you would not have known that he was a Christian, and things were just bad. And it was survival for him. You know, things were just so bad in the military in those days. You either did what you either went along, or 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 you suffered the consequences for not going along with everything that was happening. My dad had no idea, and um, he happened to be in Europe for a business trip, and he looked up my brother, saw for the first time how bad things were with him. He came home praying that God would do whatever it take to bring him back to himself. Two weeks later, Steve called home and said, Dad, ever since you've been here, I've been feeling exhausted and run down. So I went into the clinic and had some blood work drawn. They tell me I had leukemia, and they give me six weeks to live. Wow. So they shipped him to Walter Reed Hospital in, in Washington, D.C. My parents flew up there, and I and one of my brothers went along. We met with the doctors at Walter Reed, and they said, we've taken his, his blood and his bone marrow, and yes, he is full of leukemia. He has weeks to live at the most. Wow. And they said, we're going to send him to Fort Sam Houston in San Antonio so he can be closer to you guys when he dies. Meanwhile, my brother was um, um, just coming to the end of himself. 
Okay. And um, so by the time he got down to San Antonio, he had just surrendered to the Lord and quit fighting, quit running, and just and like like it happened to me, he just said, "God, it's your life. It's okay. not mine." And he went into remission immediately. Um, he st- took the chemotherapy. Nothing happened. Um, he didn't get sick. He didn't lose weight. He didn't lose his hair. Um, wow. And his, and his bone marrow became healthier than the doctor's own bone marrow, the doctor told him. Wow. And so he stopped taking the chemo, and they discharged him from the hospital, but they wanted him to stay near San Antonio. And by this time, he's hungry to know the Lord yeah. and to, to know his word. And so I had already finished high school. Um, this is in the fall of 1975. I'd enrolled in the local junior college in Corpus Christi, purchased my books, paid my fees, just hadn't started classes yet. They were coming up after the weekend. And I had no idea what he was thinking, Steve, but he was home in Corpus, and, and he walked out on the front porch where I was sitting, and he said, I'm going to Bible school. And I just and he says, I want you to go with me. Mm. I didn't even know what a Bible school was. How much older He's four and a half years okay. older, and we had not had a good relationship, and I, and I knew he was in remission, but none of us knew how long he would live, if it was a permanent healing or if it's a temporary thing that God had done. Um, and, but he told me he wanted me to go to Bible school. I'm just going, this is ridiculous, and, and I, I, he didn't know any answers to any of my questions. How much does it cost? I don't know. I didn't ask him. What are you supposed to bring? I guess you're supposed to bring a Bible. You know, what, what kind of Bible school is it? He says, I guess it's a Bible Bible school. I don't know. You know, and, and so I said, okay, I'll go with you. And, um, and the school, the college, gave me back 100% refund, even on my books. And we, three days later, we were at his hill. And at the time, his hill had previously been owned by Trinity Baptist Church in San Antonio, they had not done much with the property, and a Christian single businesswoman in the church, Johnny Merchant, purchased the property from the church, and she wanted to use it for full-time ministry. And she had heard about torchbearers and Ian Thomas. She approached him, and Major Thomas, again, long story short, decided to open up a school here. And, um, and so somehow, again, just what looked like just fluke, but it wasn't. God arranged it. My brother Steve had heard from a, um, a Christian family in Corpus Christi that that Baptist retreat center was going to be turned into a Bible school. Mm. And so it was close to San Antonio. It was a Bible school, so it fit the criteria he was looking for. And so he came, I came with him, and that's where we were introduced to Torchbearers. And that, that was the first year of Bible school? Very first year. His, you know, Torchbearers had just come here to his hill, and that was in the fall of 1975. There were only about a dozen students that first semester. The second semester, they kept adding students the whole time we were here. Um, by the end, there were 30, 25, 30 students okay. that were here. Um, but we, st- you know, the big thing is that um, we both knew that Jesus was our life. Me, because of what I had gone through in junior high and high school, my brother, because of leukemia. Nobody needed to tell us that. Okay. We knew it, and we were walking in it. But we'd never heard that. We'd never seen that this is the message of Scripture. Okay. Jesus is life. And, and so being here, it was like, wow, this is what the Bible's about. It's about Jesus, and he is life itself. Mm. And so it was, it was a powerful year for both of us. Okay. By Christmas, my dad was seeing, you know, so, couldn't help but see what God was doing in our, in our lives. And, and though he had always just pushed us toward getting a job, getting a trade, going to college... 
um, being on our own, um, it, it turned him around. And, and so he, on, at Christmas, made the decision that all the other siblings, um, the four others, would go to a torchbearer school. They had no choice okay. in it. They were just going to go. <laughs> so they all did. And now the, the, the whole family ended up moving up here. Yeah, the family, that you know, things were getting bad in, in, um, with the um, forced um, integration of the schools. My youngest brother was, was going to have to be um, bused across the city. And so as was happening all across the United States, a, a lot of people fled and went to the suburbs. And my parents fled totally from Corpus, and they came up to Bernie, which was a very small town. And it was nothing about... Um, it was just... They wanted to be able to have their kids in a neighborhood kit school. Okay. That's all it was. And so they, they just didn't like the idea of putting a, a child on a bus and sending him across the city to, to where they couldn't even go get to him if, there, if he got sick. Yeah. And so they, they came to Bernie, and, um, and uh, my siblings, younger siblings, were all still in, in school. Um, and, um, yeah, so they've been there now since, I guess that was about 78, 77, 78 that they moved to Bernie. Okay. And I know that's, that's been a blessing for the Hill because throughout the years, your parents have, have plugged into the ministry here being so close. And, you know, we've, we've been to their house for events, and they've, they've helped out with things up here throughout the years, too. So that, that worked out well. Okay, so after your year of Bible school, uh, you, you then attended Columbia Bible College, which is now CIU. Yeah, it, it, in a roundabout way. I, went, I spent a year, I went back to Corpus and went to that junior college, and um, I, I discovered I liked school. But I, I really did not like the attitude of the professors. Um, I, I, I couldn't believe it. You know, I was paying these professors' t- um, salaries through my tuition, and they were openly mocking Christians in the classroom. Mm-hmm. And this was back in the 70s. Wow. And so I, I did one year, and in the next year I sat out of college. Um, I just couldn't see, you know, going through four years of college and being subjected to that. And that was just me. Um, but it was during that year I sat out that my older brother, Steve, his leukemia came back. Okay. And um, he, had, he had recently married, and he had only been married a few months when the leukemia came back. And then um, I think they were married nine months when he passed away. And so that was very significant in all of our lives. And for me, it is, I was 21, he was 21, and, um, and I needed to know that. Um, so... Um, I was thankful that I was not in college during that year, so I could spend time with him and his and his wife. Um, but when that year was over, when he passed away, um, you know, I was it was time to go back to school. Basically, I was working at his hill in the summer camps um, all through those summers, and I and the director here at his hill and the director at, at Ravencrest were both graduates of Columbia Bible College in South Carolina, and they encouraged me to go there. Okay, and it and it, it seemed like the right thing. And so I did, and when I walked on campus, I saw the motto of the school was to know him and make him known, and I knew I was in the right place, because that's all I wanted. I just wanted to know Jesus and make him known, and I didn't care whether I was ever in ministry. I didn't think I'd ever be in ministry, um, it, I, but I knew that, that life is ministry, and it's not, it's not necessarily a vocational ministry. So I was there for three years, got transferred in with two years of credit. And um, continued to work at His Hill um, during the summers when I, during those years I was at Columbia. When I finished it, graduating from Columbia, 
Um, Sonny Westbrook was then the director at His Hill. He had just started, and he invited me to come on staff for one year as an intern. Okay. He gave me quite a bit of teaching opportunity. And at the end of that year, when the internship was over, I knew by then that the Lord probably would have me be in a discipleship teaching kind of role. Um, and so I needed to go to seminary. Just um, Nobody told me that. It was just I felt that's what the next thing God has for me, had for me. And so I went to Dallas Theological Seminary um, and was there for four and a half years. Okay. And you got married during that time. Yeah, Patsy and I met at His Hill. She was a nurse. She came down from Pennsylvania to be the camp nurse, stayed for Bible school. Um, so she was here the third year of His Hill in the third class for Bible school. We dated a little bit um, um, toward the end of her Bible school year and, and then that summer camp. Um, and then I went off to Bible college in South Carolina. She went back to work in the hospital in Pennsylvania. But I knew um, it needed to end. Okay. Um, I, I was too young, um, and um, and it, it's just the relationship, you know, honestly, we it would just it started off on the wrong foot. We were, we were too physical, and, um, and I just, I knew it needed to break up. Mm. And so I, I flew up to Pennsylvania my first semester, first Thanksgiving I was in college there, and, and, and to break up with her, I wussed out, and she broke up with me. Um, so (laughs) I didn't see that one coming. Um, but we maintained um, a friendship and, and we, we became very close, good friends. Um, and, and after knowing each other for eight years, we got married. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. That that reminds me of what we encourage students here with, you know, and, and, uh, to, to encourage them to be friends. Yep. You know, spend Absolutely. time, spend time with each other in a crowd. Get to know yep. each other, and, yep. and and we've seen some really neat relationships come, yep. you know, from from that. Okay, so you guys, uh, you got married uh, just as you were finishing up seminary, and then you ended up coming back on to His Hill on permanent staff. Yeah, that was a miracle. Um, you know, again, again, God's just providence. I had no idea what I was going to do after I graduated. Um, we knew. Um, the the Hobsons that had started the Torchbearer Ministry in the Philippines, and we were thinking of going there. Um, they had been pursuing Patsy and I both before we were even married as singles, and we loved them dearly and, and thought maybe that's where the Lord would have us. And so I'm I'm in my last semester, which was the fall of 1986, I came down here for Thanksgiving conference, as we always did, because uh, I'd come home, and, we, and my family would come up here and sit in on the sessions. Major Thomas was always here preaching at Thanksgiving. And to my surprise, he called me over to his table. And, um, and I didn't even know he knew me. And, and he said, Charlie, this is what's happening here at his hill. Sonny Westbrook is leaving to take an associate pastorate in San Antonio, Bill Bushhouse is going to step up as the director, and we'd like you to start as soon as you're done with seminary, which was like in three weeks, um, as the assistant director with camp being your main responsibility. And so God just dropped that in our laps. Mm-hmm. And, and um, I knew that Major um, um, was not favorable towards seminary. Um, um, it was, and um, it's not that he was just thought nobody should go, right. but, but he was not generally positive about it for good reasons. And so when I went off to Dallas Seminary, I thought my days with torchbearers are over. Okay. But that was okay because Jesus was my life, wow. not torchbearers. And I love torchbearers, but it was never my ambition to work with them. 
Um, just, just loved him, but Christ was my life. And so, when, but when Major offered me to come to the position to come back, we knew immediately it was the right thing. Okay. And so that was in November of 86, and we started here in January of 87. So you came here to be the camp director. Yep. And did, and, and we're teaching and things changed pretty quick for you. They did, Bill. You know, he's a turkey. Uh, <laughs> yeah, two years into it, and God really used Bill during those two years, and I, and he's still a very close friend, um, and um, I, I thoroughly appreciate him and appreciated yeah. working under him, and he surprised us all. And after two years, he, he announced in a staff meeting that he was um, leaving to, to go into another ministry, and that he would be asking Major Thomas to, to point me the new director. <laughs> I didn't see that one coming. Um, and you were 33. No, I was I was 32 when I became director. Okay, yeah. wow. Yeah, started here at 30, 32 at director. Okay. So I was the oldest one on staff when that happened, when Bill left. Um, yeah, I, I at 32, I was the oldest one on staff. Well, that, that was still true a few years later when, when you brought Arlene and me on. You were 35, and you were the oldest person, and 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 that was pretty much the well. You still are. That's still pretty much the, the way. It's been. One, yeah. <laughs> and it's amazing uh, how that happens. In those in those early years when I was came on staff, you know, we we were also young, and there was a lot of uh, there was a lot of learning to take yeah. place, and 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 uh, we look back on it now and laugh at some of the things we did, <laughs> but uh, you know, you, you've been here for. 30 years? 34 years. 34 years. And I just wonder, you know, now there's been, again, big changes. You know, the, the, all of us that were together for all those years, uh, we've all left you. You have, yes. <laughs> you're, you're still here, and you're with a whole new staff now of yeah. young people. You know, we, yeah. uh, Kevin, uh, who we'll be uh, doing an interview with later, uh, he's he's the second oldest, and he's thirty five. And yeah. so, have you seen similarities there too? Yeah, I mean, it's just it's it's great. On on the one hand, I'm I'm it, it's just it's every year I've been here throughout the years, I've seen that it's God's ministry, and and He's directing it. Uh, it's I, I I don't like the title director because God, I'm not directing anything. God's directing it. He truly is. I'm not trying to be humble or spiritual. Mm-hmm. And um, and at this stage we're in now, I'm I'm just so encouraged and confident um, about who's here and and this younger generation. Yeah, they're godly um, people who understand that their competence comes from Christ and not themselves. They're not self-willed. They're not ambitious. They they just love Jesus and they know that He's their life. And so I I just have all the confidence in the world in them. But yeah, it's strange that that you know I'm um, basically thirty years older than the next person on staff, um, but um, we're in a good place. I feel I, I say all the time I could drop dead any day, and and his hill will be in great shape. Mm. Yeah. I was thinking this morning how even though the, the 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 faces have changed so much on staff and they're so young, still it's been really encouraging to see them really take ownership. They, mm-hmm. they, they love Jesus, and they they want to make sure that that is what people hear and see. Yep. And I so, I mean, this is great. You know, they just they, they take some. You know, they they've just taken up the mantle and keep going with it. And it's it's really neat to see how the Lord 
does that. He works in the hearts, and he remains faithful in the ministry. Really, if if anything, uh, I feel like I look at these young, these younger people on staff, and I, I'm I really see more maturity in them than than I oh, yeah. saw in myself well, at cer- that age. Certainly about me. You know, I'm they're, they're way ahead of where I was at their age. I feel yes. all of them. So Very it's thankful. really yeah, it's really encouraging. Um, okay, so in the time that we have left, uh, I'd like to just ask you about. You know the ministry here. What what's what are some of the 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 big changes you've seen since you know you were in that first student body in 1975? What what are some big changes you've seen happen here throughout the years? Well, uh, you know the the main thing is what has not changed, and and that is that the main thing is is Jesus and His Word, mm. and um, and I'm very grateful for that. Um, so the things that have changed are all things that, I mean, the property, the buildings, um, things like that. It's a, it's a much nicer place than it was back in those days. Right. And um, it was pretty rough um, in 75 in those, in those early years. But yeah, actually people who, have not, uh, who haven't been here again since those early years would be surprised to know that there's actually grass on the hilltop. <laughs> yeah, we're not just <laughs> mowing rocks anymore. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, there's grass on the hilltop, and you know there's new buildings. Everything's paved. It looks great. Um, you know, there's always more to do. And there, you know, because properties um, they they get old, and so you have to constantly be upgrading things. But God's provided, and we're thankful for that. Um, the The program itself is is basically the same, though we added a second year program a number of years ago, and that's been wonderful, real blessing. Um, I, I just, I think for a number of reasons, one being the main one, just being prayer, but also because of the second year program, um, we don't have, um, very many discipline issues and that's been a significant thing. Mm. You know, years ago, you know, it it just seemed like there were big issues that, that we had to deal with and, and we seldom see real big discipline issues and, and I'm very thankful for that. I think it's God's bringing people in that that are just really prepared to be here, and they're here for for to seek Him and to know Him. And um, it doesn't mean that they're all mature or anything. Where everybody comes in at different places, but but they're just great people. Mm-hmm. Right? I feel like we get the cream of the crop every year. I agree. And you know, I I struggled for a long time that we were always one of the last torchbearer schools to fill up. And it was principally because of location, because I'd talk to, I'd travel a lot of different torchbearer schools, and they'd say, we didn't go to Texas because it's in a desert. Mm. And I go, it's not a desert. West Texas is. Hill country's not. But, you know, that's, but now I, I just settle down and realize it's God's ministry, and he is bringing to us the people that he wants. He's handpicking them from around the world, and they're not coming um, to ski. Right. They're not coming to, to, to tour Europe. Um they're coming because of Jesus and his word. Mm. And so it is remarkable to me the, the quality of people that God brings to us every year. And I'm very thankful for that. Yeah, they end up ministering to us. Oh, man. Uh, their, their heart is really encouraging. It's, yeah. it's, it's energizing yeah. to be around young people that are serious yeah. about the Lord, and they, yeah. want, they want something of substance. Yeah. Yeah, and so they, they respond to that, you know, yeah. they, and, and, and so we, we do thank the Lord for that. Well, um, Charlie, I, I appreciate your openness. I appreciate you sitting down. I know you're really busy. And just to, to, to give me this time to talk with you and, 
Uh, I want you to know that I, I appreciate you. I appreciate your leadership. Uh, you do. You are one that you say you don't like being called director, but I've always seen that as the director, you've always been a person who wants to facilitate. If the Lord's working in someone's heart, you want to make room for what for that, and and I've always appreciated that. Uh, you haven't been a, a micromanager, I think, because you've always understood that it's not for you to manage, and but but you've been a good steward. And if someone needs to be pulled aside, you do that. And so I appreciate that, and appreciate your your willingness to be here for so long and uh, and to be so so steady. So thanks for your time. Thanks for just reminding us of the centrality of Christ, that we that he's what this is all about, yeah. our life. And yeah. uh, look forward to what the Lord continues to do with your leadership here. And uh, we keep praying for you. So right. thanks for the time, Charlie. You bet. Thanks, Charlie. tuning in for another episode of the His Hill podcast. We hope that you've been encouraged through hearing Charlie's testimony and how God can reach and restore the hearts of His people through Christ, regardless of their past or age. We have appreciated Charlie's leadership and wisdom here over the years and how the lessons God has taught him through his life have helped him lead with an awareness and eye for others. As we head towards the end of our summer program, we look forward to the fall and all the new students that will be arriving here soon. Please pray for our incoming students as they travel to comfort from around the country and from around the world. Thank you again for tuning into the His Hill podcast. You've been listening to our host, Kelly Doherty. If you would like to get in touch with Kelly, you can contact him by email at kelly at hishill.org. You can also keep up with us on Instagram and Facebook for more camp and Bible school updates. 